So I just got a text um, since I've been up here last. Uh, Roger Grumley was taken back to surgery again, and he is in surgery. He will be in surgery during the service here. So let's think about him and his family and uh, Becky and Christy, uh, Ray, his daughter Ashley, just lift them up. And uh, so as we gather to celebrate and to worship, let's uh, remember him and all of our prayer requests. Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just speak to us, dear Lord. And we have lifted up our prayer requests. We know that there are those who are um, need a touch currently, dear Lord, to guide the doctors' hands, minds, and all the nurses involved, dear Lord. And we ask that for Roger's situation. Just give peace to all the families that are needing peace. Just give comfort to those who need it. And dear God, we just ask that you just allow us to come together here this morning and to receive your word and to receive it in a way that we can go out and live it as you live through us with endurance and patience and strength and mercy and forgiveness. And dear God, we're thankful for all your blessings. And and now we just come together collectively to praise your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As as I've been thinking about what we would talk about when we got the chance to come back together in person. And um, there was some scripture that was always on the forefront of my mind. And there's a couple of this, a couple of the scripture are, are more well known than the rest of them. And, and usually those are the two that get pulled out and they're used um, to underlie the argument and to make, help make the argument that uh, we need to always continue to come together as a church. And that's true. Okay. The scriptures are correct. But sometimes what's lost in the mix and what's, uh, what's cut off is the underlying teaching that leads up to the argument that we are to come together. And sometimes uh, it's healthy to ask, yourselves question, to ask yourself questions um, and to do it like in, a, in an audit form to, to see where you are and what's going on in your life. And, uh, and I know some of you are going through some changes and through some things and you've had a load put on you. And... Uh, um, I understand what, what's going on, and I've seen the struggle. I've seen you come through the struggle. Thankful for you getting through the struggle. But um, at all times, regardless if you're up or you're down, there needs to be like an audit that we take of ourselves. And there are some questions, and as a church, we should ask questions. And we should ask questions of ourselves as a family and as an individual. And the questions need to go something like this, like, why are we here? What's the purpose of coming together? Is it just for the purpose of coming together? Um, you know, I think the younger generation is going through this same question. And they are asking, you know, I, either I've never been to church or I was raised in church. And, and I'm starting to question, what's the reason? Why are we coming together? You know, I, I, I can catch something here. or You know, maybe a song does more for me. Uh, worship more in a song and all that. Is there a reason why we're coming together? Um, can I just kind of give my money to a charity and let it work to that? Maybe do a, a day of service here and there and I'm good? Is that, is, that, is, that, is that what we're, is that the place where we're at as a, as a society and in, in, in history? And the, the Bible teaches that that's not, that's not biblical. And we are to come together. But just saying we're to come together doesn't quite provide the argument and the teaching that the Bible presents why we come together. And sometimes how we come together is just as important as that we come together. Okay? So as we ask ourselves these questions, 
What's the purpose here? Are, is it still, is this a thing of the past coming together as a church? Or is there still a purpose? Is there still a need to come together? Um, you know, because let's just be honest, we've made it easy not to come. Okay? So you can tune in, you can tune in in your pajamas or whatever, you know, and give online, all that stuff. We've made it pretty easy not to come. So is that, is that the way, the new trend? Or do we need to continue to come together? And the Bible teaches that we do need to come together, but it doesn't stop there and say, you should all come together. There are underlying arguments and underlying foundational teachings as to why you come together and how you come together. Okay, so this is out of Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, I'm picking up in verse 19. And, um, you know, it says, therefore, brethren, and right there, you need to you need to understand the audience who is being taught, who is being spoken to. And the audience is the church, the redeemed, the regenerated. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ. This is not an argument that we would make to the masses. This is not teaching to the masses. This is a meeting that is held inside the office, inside the business. We're having an inter-business meeting here. So you have, to, you have to work here or belong. You have to be a part of the family to get into this meeting. To, so this is not something that is taught to the masses because the masses would not receive it in the right way. And it starts off where every teaching should start off. And let me, let me point this out. So it's saying brethren. So this is inside the church, right? And first of all, the whole attitude of how we come together and how we approach God has been changed. In the Old Testament, when you see the people come together and you see the high priests go into the Holy of Holies, they approached God and they collectively came together in the High priest went into the Holy of Holies with a spirit of fear and trembling as he approached the Spirit of God. And there were mandatory things that he had to do lest he be killed, lest he, be, lest he die. Okay, So there's this attitude in the Old Testament that exists that we approach God with fear and trembling. And now we approach God with boldness. And it is a boldness of humility. We still work out. We still fear the Lord, but we don't fear it in this right. We have it as a fear of respect. So we, uh, we approach him with boldness. And the reason why we approach him with boldness is because Jesus Christ presented us with love, his sacrifice, and his resurrection at Calvary. And that changed the whole dynamics of how it is to approach God. And now we can approach him on an intimate level. We can go to him in prayer through Jesus Christ. Make sure you do it right. Because Jesus Christ is the way, he is the life, he is the sole way to get to God the Father. No one approaches God except through Jesus Christ. And now, when we approach God through Jesus Christ, we can do it with boldness. And we can ask for great big things. And we can ask for life-changing things. We can ask for miraculous things. Because of the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So real quick, the very first thing that it says is that we can enter the holiest. We can have a relationship with God and we can have a bold relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can live new in the way which he has consecrated through us because the veil, the separation is no longer there. It has been torn from top to bottom. It is no longer there. Now listen to me. The veil was not pushed aside you understand what I'm saying? It's not like getting out of the shower and you open the thing and slide it like that. It's gone. The veil is gone. 
And it's not a deal where we wadded it up, folded it, and put it over in the closet for later. It's gone. It's ripped. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay, there is no separation from us. In fact, the Bible explicitly says there, nothing can separate us from the love of God because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. And we know that he is our high priest and that he is the uh, final authority of the body of Christ. And here's where it starts out. It starts out with proper teaching. Here's what I need you to understand. Is that anything that you build your, into your life, anything that you build into your marriage, anything that you build into your relationships, your relationships with your kids, anything that we build here in this church has to be built on the love, death, and resurrection, sacrifice, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the underlying foundation of everything that we do here. And if you try to build on some kind of wisdom from the world that excludes the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are getting ready to have a house that will fall when the winds and the storms hit it. And what has happened is we are starting to build relationships on earthly wisdom, on emotions, on feel good. You hurt my feelings, that kind of stuff. That's how relationships end now. It's all on earthly stuff. And it's because it's not truly built where everything needs to start from. And this is what we're, he's saying is that if you're going to get together, which you need to get together, he commands us to get together as a church. But the first thing to understand is that we do everything built on the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That includes our gathering together. If we gather together without the understanding and building upon the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we do it in vain. And we should stay apart, separated. Okay? So that's the first thing, is that he is the final authority in everything that we do. We build on him. Okay? So now we move on. And he says, let us draw near, okay, as we come together, knowing what we're building on, that everything is built on the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did I say that enough? You guys get that? Okay, all right. Now we move on to as we come together, what we come together with is together with faith. And we are bound together in faith. And we come together in faith because we have the full assurance of our faith. And we have the full assurance of our faith because of who our faith is built on. And our faith is built on Jesus Christ, who will never let you down. My Uncle Mike sings a song, Four Days Late. It's a great song. Great beat, great words. The way he sings it, powerful. Love it. But here's the, here's the masterpiece of that song. And the masterpiece of that song is that God will always be there, but he is there at the perfect time. And the perfect time is his time, not our time when we order him. You see, we go to God. We don't demand he comes to us and we in like, hey, here I am. You got to deal with me. Okay. We go to him and say, here I am. Make me what you need me to be. And we have to do that in the only way that you can do that is with faith that is built on a God that will never let you down. A Jesus Christ that always loves you. And if you stick to his way and his plan, he'll get you there. 
He may try your patience a little bit. You may have your faith tested, but he will get you there. And here's the reality, and here's what my years, 40, almost 47 years on this earth have taught me, is that he'll get me to a place that's better than where I thought I needed to be. And so when we get together, we need to come together knowing that we have a faith that is built on the full assurance of Jesus Christ who will never let us down. And then we come with a hope. Let me, let me ask you this, okay? You think there's much hope in this world right now? Huh? Feels like hope is at an all-time low. And, and we as Christians, we should be living a life of hope. And the Bible teaches us that regardless of the trials and tribulations that are going on into the world, what are we supposed to do? Rejoice. Have hope. Live life of faith because of who that faith and hope is built on and in. And it is built on Jesus Christ. It is built on promises. It says that you can hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. Don't you think the world needs some unwavering hope right now? If the world's going to have unwavering hope, it has to be built on, and that's the very first point here, the promises that were made by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ will never fail you. His promises come true. And I'm telling you, we need to be a people that reflect a life of living hope, knowing that we can stand on the promises made by Jesus in the Bible. Because they will come true. And when the world looks dark, and it looks like we're on a path to destruction, and nothing's coming true, we need to be people of hope that say, no, there's a different hope in us than that's out in the world. It's called Jesus Christ. It's time that you get you some of that so you can stand. But that has to happen in our lives. We can't be, you know, Eeyores, a bunch of Eeyores walking around like the world's going to fall in and we're the dark cloud and we're here to rain on your rainbow, right? We have to be people of hope and it has to be a living hope. You understand what that means? Not a false hope. You ever met someone who has false hope? Selling some false hope? Didn't want to buy it, did you? Because you saw through it. You may, he may have got you the first couple times, but eventually that hope will wear out because it's not built on the proper thing. We need to be people built, and our hope needs to be built on the promises of Jesus Christ, knowing that he'll never let us down. So now that we have the hope, and now that we have the faith, and we understand why we come together and what everything needs to be built on, and what is it? The love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we stand for right here. Everything that we do is reflected back to the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we baptized Isaacs this morning, what do we reflect on? The love of Jesus Christ that can change us and bring us through this world and we can build a life on. But at first, we have to accept his sacrifice at Calvary, be changed, be made new, be made living. And now we rejoice in the resurrection that he is a new created being, just as Jesus Christ defeated death all things he makes new every day. That's what we celebrate right here. And when we come together, we are called to come together. These are the verses that you'll probably recognize. It says, then let us consider one another. Okay, so now we're still talking as we come together. Because yes, it says here that uh, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So there it is, okay? We are supposed to come together. Because, listen, what we do here is important. 
If we do it in the right way for the right reasons and led by the mission and led by the will of God, then we will be people of impact. We will change our world as we know it. So we have to come together. The Bible says that we are to come together, but we have to come together built and build on the things that the Bible says, the love, sacrifice, resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have to be people of faith because God will never let us down. And we have to be the people of hope because we are building on the promises made by Jesus Christ who will never let us down. So all that being said, now it's time to come together. And when we come together, it says that we come together. Look what it says. For a reason. We come together for a reason. Okay? So we're not just coming together just to slap five and say, hey, we, we had church, okay? We're coming together for a reason. And here it is. What's that stay? To stir up love. To stir up love. That's Christian love. Christian love that doesn't re- expect anything back. We're here to build one another up. We're here to help get people through the trying times in this world. We're here to show love when people don't feel loved. This is just not a collection of people getting together so that we get together and say we got together. It is critically important for us to come together, building on the right thing with the right faith and hope, but for the right purpose and the purpose is that we stir up good love, good, or stir up love, which will lead to good works. And now our works are built on the right stuff. We're not just doing works to say, hey, have you seen Star Church and what they're doing? Isn't it great? That's doing it wrong. But when we do things and people say, I've never felt love like that. I felt Jesus Christ for the first time or in a, first time in a long time. Then we do things for the right reason. So coming together is critically important. But how we come together and why we come together, that's almost, if not as important, as coming together. Okay? And why we come together is to stir up love. So let's just do, let's go back to where we started from here this morning. Okay? So let's just do a little self-audit. If you were to send out uh, customer surveys customer experience surveys to the people that you live with or the people that experience you or have interactions with you, okay? And you mailed them out and it was anonymous and they got to tell you their, the, true, the true feelings that they get from you. Ask, look, ask yourself, what would they think? Would they think that I showed them love? Am I a person that shows love? Am I a person that shows love because I need something back? And it's a false love. Am I a person who is walking around with hope, but it's a false hope because I want everybody to think I'm good and happy? Or am I walking on faith, but I don't know if I really believe what I'm talking about? Or are we people that are standing on the promises made to us by Jesus Christ because we know, we know that they will come true? Are we a people that are living a life of hope because we know that Jesus Christ is in control Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but he's still in control and he's going to take us home to live with him forever. Okay, those are promises made to us. Are we people who show love that don't need anything in return? That's life changing. And we need to do that as we come together. Think about how we come together as a family. Have you ever been driving home or or something or something on the TV happens and it it makes you mad 
And doesn't that change the interactions inside of the house? Huh? The, the discussion? I mean, sometimes something happens and, and you're like, uh, rah, rah, like why, why are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you. You're like, well, you need to tell your face and your voice that you're not mad at me. Because it sure feels like you're mad at me. Okay? So sometimes we can let little things like that change us. And it changes our interactions. And if we're not careful, and this is, this is kind of the, the danger zone here. If we're not careful, the world will change us. And the church will reflect the world more than will reflect Christ. In fact, there's an old saying that said, I went to church to escape the world, and I sat down, and the world was sitting down beside me. Sometimes we bring it in with us. Sometimes we bring it into our marriage, into our households. And we say, well, why is it so bad here? It's because we have brought the world in with us. So here, here is the underlying teaching that all this is built on. And this is out of the love chapter, and this is what it says, that faith and hope and love are what we build on, but the only thing that remains eternal is love. Your faith, your faith will end in sight as you enter the gates of heaven. Your hope will end because of your reality as you live in heaven. And your love, it goes on forever. That's what will exist in heaven. So, real quick, Last points here. These are some very destructive dividers that can leak into your life, right? These are, these are dangerous. They happen in the world. And if we're not careful, we bring them into the church house. And the way that we operate here, we bring them into our families, how we operate. We bring them into our marriages. We bring them into our friendships, our jobs. So these are some destructive dividers that will cause chaos and that will split harmony. So number one, let's see. Oh, this is a terrible one, isn't it? Huh? The very second that you approach an issue and you start dividing up into teams, one against the other, I mean, that's, that's the very definition of division, right? I mean, teams are created to combat one another and there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. And I'm sorry, but can you think of one issue in this world right now to where we don't immediately start choosing up sides. Well, you're on that side, I'm on this side, and all that. We do it. And it is destructive. And it is virtually impossible when you have two teams to come together and to have perfect unity, which is required of the body of Christ. Because we're building up what we believe is right. And we're actually fighting against people. So anytime that you start handling an issue and you start handling it in a way that you start dividing up into teams, that's, that's a surefire way to get to division. The other one is, and this is a biblical law, okay? Where there is no friendship, there is no fellowship. And here's what I really need you to understand in this, is that yes, you can fake fellowship. You can come in, you can shake hands, you can say hello, you can sit by one another and then you can walk out the door. But I'm talking about a brotherhood, a family where we love each other and we build each other up and we bear one another's burdens as they are our own. And that can't happen if there's not a friendship. And friendships can't happen if you're on opposing teams and you're fighting against one another. So what has happened is that we are wanting fellowship without the friendship. Because here's the other thing. Sometimes it gets kind of messy to get to know people. I had, a, I had an uncle. Okay, I won't say his name since it's being live streamed. But I had an uncle. He's no longer with us, but great uncle. But if you asked him how he was doing, 
he would legitimately tell you. Okay? Have you ever been talking to someone and say, hey, how you doing? Well, and they get into their life. It's like, listen, dude, I didn't really care. I was just asking you to be nice because I got my own life. To, you know, that's how we do one another because now it's messy. It's ugly to get to one another, but we shouldn't be like that. We should get to know each other. We should love one another. We should know what's going on in each other's lives, not to be nosy, but so that we can build each other. And listen, we have to be people who can be trusted with people's lives. If we're not people who they can come and tell us what's going on in their life, and then we run out and blab it and gossip about them, that's not true fellowship. We've got to get back to building fellowship built on friendship. Here's the other one, is that we judge each other, but I judge you more harshly, extremely more harshly than I'll judge myself. And I say this all the time. Your sins are ugly. Mine are kind of cute. They're just little bitty, little bitty soft, little, little pretty sins. Yours are ugly, monster you know. That's how we do each other. Well, I can't believe that you would do that. You're just justifying that, and you're just doing that. And then the whole time, I'm doing something on the other extreme, justifying it, you know, as I live. Let's just be honest with each other. We're all broken. We're all... You know, we're all struggling through this life. Sooner or later, we're all hypocrites, right? Huh? We like to throw that word around, but I'll just be honest with you. I'll just say right here, being live streamed. Aaron Phelps is a hypocrite, okay? I justify things in my life that don't make sense. And I wish I could get past it, and you pray for it, okay? Hopefully, I'll become a, a, a better person through the love of Jesus Christ. And if you're honest with yourself, there are things in your life that are hypocritical. All right? So here's the other one. We paint people with a broad brush. And that's because we don't want to get to know them anymore. We characterize them by where they live or what they do, how they look, how much money they make, how much money they don't make, what they drive, what they don't drive, here and that, all that. And we just take it and we just paint with a broad brush because we don't want to get to know each other anymore. There's no fellowship. There's no true friendship. Oof. This one's terrible. This is allowing your faults to be fed. This is where you have a destructive behavior, something that causes division in your life, but then you allow somebody outside to feed you with information or with uh, false information or brag, you know, they brag on you or build you up and they do it negatively and they're actually feeding your faults. And this is where we end up being told, like, you know, like that's a, you have an attitude or you have a behavior in your life that's very destructive and de- very divisive. But then somebody convinces you, oh, that's a good thing. You should cling to that. You should be strong. That means you're strong or that means you're doing this good. And then you're like, you know what? You're right. I am going to do that. And then it's like, why is everything falling apart around my life? It's because you're being fed by the wrong thing. And if it's not built, I'll go back to it. I know you're going to be tired of it. But that's my job. If it's not built on love from Jesus Christ, if it's not built on sacrifice that reflects Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary, and it's not reflective of a renewed, regenerated life that is resurrected with Christ in his resurrection, it's not good. It shouldn't be fed into your life. And then we, at the end of the day, we end up not living a true doctrine of Christ because of all the behaviors in our lives. So yeah, we're to come together. 
We're called to come together. It's of critical importance that we come together because we have a mission here. And the mission here is to impact our communities and the world around us and impact it and change it through the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we do here. We impact people. We change their lives. We improve their lives as Jesus Christ lives through us. He's the impact. We're the catalyst. But if we're divided, if we don't like each other, if we're not able to fellowship with one another, and we simply just come together and we're building on wrong doctrine, worldly advice, emotions, and all that stuff, then we cannot fulfill what we're called to do. In fact, Ephesians says that we are all given talents and ministries. You have a ministry. I have a ministry. And here's the thing. We are here, saints, that's that's Bible word for the church. So we are here and the church is equipped with ministries, personal ministries. And my ministry can't happen without you. And your ministry can't happen without all of us. Okay, And we come together, and the reason why we come together is to build each other up and to edify each other so that we can build each other up in a healthy way, building friendship and fellowship, all built on the love, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we all come together in a way that we can come together in a unifying way that can reflect the fullness of the body of Christ as the living body of Christ on earth. The church should be the living body of Christ on earth. That's what the church is here to do. We're not here to judge people. We let the Holy Spirit condemn people, right? That's their job. In fact, the Bible says if you're guilty of breaking one law, you're guilty of breaking the entirety of the law. Okay? We don't change anybody's lives. I've changed some people's lives, but not for the better, right? Okay? Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is who changes people's lives. That's who makes them. And, and as hard as I would like to try and bring us all together and keep us all, I can't run around and make sure everybody's happy and, and do this for you and do that for you and bring you all together. I mean, you'd have to hire a thousand pastors to keep all that going on. We have to sooner or later come together and be bound by something that is stronger than death, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. So I have the musicians come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I know that that's a, it's a weird time. And uh, if you want to come up, you know, make sure you do it in the, in the right kind of way, all right? But we want to always present, we present you with the opportunity to come to the altar. And we come to the altar for a lot of different reasons. But right now, the, the world seems crazy. It seems broken. There seems to be no hope. There seems to be no plan towards any kind, anything kind of good. But I'm telling you that Christians in the church have to be the example of faith, hope, and love. Love. We have to be that. If we're not that, then we are not presenting the body of Christ on earth. That's what we're here to do. So reflect in yourselves. How are you being a part of that? Or are you, just be honest with yourself, are you a divisive agent right now? okay. But the thing is to do to admit that, yeah, I've got some divisive destruction behaviors in my life. I need to change that. I need to have God change that so that I can be an agent of change and a unifying agent in my family and in my church and my community. But that can only happen as Jesus Christ lives through us. So take a self audit this morning. 
Look at your family. What's the impact of your family? And then let's come together and pray for this church as we move into this next phase, whatever this phase is. Listen, I don't know what's happening. I looked and looked all around the church. I went and scoured the internet for the handbook on how to run a church during a pandemic. I could not find that book. It doesn't exist. In fact, the book is called the Holy Bible. And that's what we look to. Okay. And then here is the thing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where numbers or whatever could be a whole nother thing come in. I don't know. Don't have a crystal ball. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I'm called because I have accepted the grace and salvation of Jesus Christ. So I'm called to present that in the world as he lives through me. That's it. Now, if I have a job that's different and I live a life in a different town, drive a different kind of car, all that, that's all part of life. But my purpose and your purpose that you were created, if you get down to it, was to be a change agent as Jesus Christ lives through us. And as we come together, we are to be a church of impact. So ask yourself this morning, are you living up to that mission? Have a conversation with yourself. The only way that it can truly happen is if Jesus Christ lives through you. I'll open up the altars to you.